Radical, episode 142. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. My name is Shane Hazel. I'm your host. Thank you guys for tuning in. Tonight, I am talking about Afghanistan. Uh, admin notes, I am still only doing audio, guys. Uh, I've really, I've, I've been laid up for, uh, this is going into three weeks now. And I, yeah, I, I kind of suffered through it at first. Probably did too many shows live, too many interviews live. I uh, kind of pushed it when I took my wife up to Tennessee for our anniversary that weekend and paid the price. My back is, I mean, it. I, I finally got a little bit of relief yesterday. And uh, TJ, thank you very much. Great chiropractor um, here in North Georgia. He's just absolutely stellar guy and uh, appreciate everything he's been doing for me. Uh, just I, I'm telling you, when you when you get laid up with a a bad back, sometimes there's very little you can do, and I think sometimes it's just the universe's way of saying, "Hey, man, you know, take a second, breathe, uh, recenter, refocus, and get yourself back to a position where you can see where you're supposed to be going." Um, Lots going on out there. First and foremost, uh, thank you guys for all signing up to be patrons. You guys are really, I mean, thank you very much. I don't care if it's a dollar, five, ten. You guys are awesome. It's helping me. Uh, we've got some equipment that's going to be being uh, upgraded uh, in the studio here shortly. And as soon as you know the internet goes around, comes around, uh, that's going to pay off because then I can start paying people to do things and um, really uh, start taking a look at divorcing myself from everything else in life that you guys know that I've been uh, trying to do for quite a while now um, and had some delays, if you will, because of Comcast. But um, that's that's all happening. Uh, and, and if you want to become a patron, you can go out to patreon.com slash radical pod and become a patron for as little as a buck. And it all helps. Thank you guys very much. Um, I will wait till the end to leave a review. But if you want to really help me out and you don't have a lot of money or anything, you can go out to Apple podcast and leave a five star review. I'll read it here. Uh, thank you guys for all doing that. We're a little bit ahead of the count right now. I think we're up to about 148 reviews. And um, if, if you guys could take a second while you're listening and just go out there, drop a five star, uh, maybe even write something. It, it brightens uh, my whole day, gives me you know more reason to keep doing this kind of stuff and uh, to keep pushing the message of liberty. Outside of that, if you got something to bring to my attention, uh, Shane at RadicalPod.com, you can send things there. And if you want to buy some merchandise, there's a little bit out there uh, in the links on whatever podcatcher you're listening on. So you can find it all there. And like I said before, go out there, like, share, subscribe, all this stuff. Radical Clips is up now, thanks to Jake Green. Uh, and I am tickled to death that so many people are tuning in. I mean, the numbers are crazy. And someday I will share with you guys all the countries we're in. Uh, we, we blew away the States a long time ago, but all the countries that we're in now, I mean, you guys are closing in on over a hundred thousand downloads already. And I'll tell you, just, um, just makes my heart swell with, um, with pride and to, to know that we are gaining steam in this fight for Liberty because of you guys, man, it is absolutely awesome. But, uh, a, a sh the show today is, is going to be Afghanistan centric, um, a lot of you guys know that I'm a vet. I never served in Afghanistan, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you um, that I know what it's like to serve there. I can't, you know, I, I, I don't know all of the ins and outs. I can tell you, um, I saw 
a ton of combat while I was in my four short years in two deployments uh, with First Force Reconnaissance Company. And uh, to, to fight in a different type of uh, landscape, completely divorced from what was Iraq, uh, with the undulation in terms of the, the mountains and valleys and things like that, you know, completely different uh, type of place, you know, both... Um, Terrible places to fight in, but I'll tell you, you know, I always thought, you know, Afghanistan might actually be a good bit worse to fight in because of that 3D type terrain. And it's all 3D when you're in urban environment, but, you know, or I should say 4D, but it's, it's, it's a different thing when somebody can reach out and touch you from a crevice in a mountain somewhere that is, I don't know, mile, two miles away, maybe further, um, get eyes on movement and all that kind of stuff. Like it, the whole place is a damn danger area. And I don't think that was so, uh, in Iraq because there are places where, you know, you've got horizon for miles and miles and miles uh, in a desert versus, you know, a, a very mountainous region of the world. So um, we have concluded operations. Apparently, well, we haven't concluded. What am I talking about? Um, the the president came out and has addressed the withdrawal, the, you know, this, uh, this debacle. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. Um, after we go through his speech, because I think his speech is super important to listen to. Uh, there is a number of points that I'm going to touch on. I'm going to play a little bit of the audio, probably a good bit of the audio, but just in, in, in small clips as we go through it. So you guys kind of bear with me as I'm moving the slider around uh, and, and dealing with uh, the audio from, from YouTube. But this is kind of one of the nice things about being able to do this from a, uh, a seated position and not live because... I, I've got some things to work out in terms of uh, the, the sound and uploading and all that kind of stuff for the live shows, which um, I'm looking forward to doing, but this is this makes it a lot easier to do that kind of thing. So um, yesterday, Biden announced uh, or came out and had a speech at about 3.30, 3.45 in the afternoon uh, to just discuss this, this awful withdrawal from, and I say awful withdrawal, I mean that in terms of just the way it's been conducted. Uh, and I think we're going to, I think you're going to see by later on in the show, um, that this was always going to be the way it was, but, um, the, the president gets up and he addresses the nation. I'm going to tell you up front. Um, I listened to this and I kept an open mind and this, you're going to get my thoughts as somebody that can't stand Republicans and can't stand Democrats as a veteran who has been there and done it and seen all this bullshit up close. Um, warning for people that have young years around, I'm going to cuss in this show. Uh, I, I, there is outrage to be had. I think it is my audience and it is one of those things where when I address things that are outrageous from this goddamn murder cult, um, I'm going to call it like it is and apply the appropriate outrage. So, um, he opens up uh, and and kind of takes everybody back, and I'm you know and I'll save you my opinion for the speech till after it, um, but I want you know if you haven't listened to the whole thing, you know may maybe worth listening to if you're interested in this kind of stuff. I'm not going to dig into the the you know kind of the the Scott Horton details of everything, right? Like Scott Horton is great at that kind of stuff. I'm going to stay kind of high level uh, and and talk about this as. I've seen it, and as the president's making remarks. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't trust 
President Biden as far as I can throw him uh, or as far as he can remember, right? Like that's this guy just he's reading a teleprompter. He is staying. I mean, this is the most focused I think I have ever seen this guy um, since he started running for president, you know, and, and and that is saying something because a lot of times he gets loose and he gets squirrely with this. And I think it's taken the administration and people, you know, the puppet masters this long to get him to the point where he can make this speech without going off teleprompter. Like they, I don't think they wanted him to go off teleprompter, not even a little bit. And it seems like through the entire 18 minutes and some change that he does. I mean, he is intensely staring at this thing. Uh, there are some points of what I feel like are confusion just from his body language, but uh, it, it's, he stays on point the entire time with this, which I think is a miracle in itself. So um, he sets the stage and he talks about the 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 reason we went there, you know, first and foremost, back in 2001, over 20 years ago. So, um, like I said, I'm going to chop this up. We're going to listen to it a little bit, and then we're going to move on. And what America's interests are in Afghanistan. We went to Afghanistan almost 20 years ago with clear goals. Get those who attacked us on September 11, 2001, and make sure al-Qaeda could not use Afghanistan as a base from which to attack us again. We did that. We severely degraded al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We never gave up the hunt for Osama bin Laden, and we got him. All right, so I'm going to sit here and tell you, like, I think for the most part, that was done in 2001 and 2002. I know we didn't get, uh, you know, Osama bin Laden until, what, two, was it 2011? And, and you know, and I say we got Bin Laden, right? Like, I still have my doubts about that whole thing. I, I think, you know, a guy who was on, you know, dialysis with kidney failure, hiding out uh, in the mountains of Afghanistan or Pakistan, probably died uh, a long time before we actually got him. Now, I've heard, you know, the, the SEALs and everything else talk about, you know, no, we actually got him and there's no reason that, you know, we should be lying about these kind of things. At this point, I don't believe a, a goddamn thing that comes out of some of these places. I don't, um, you know, and I, I, you know, I'll tell you right now, um, you know, the SEALs are the SEALs and a lot of what you know about Navy SEALs is propaganda to begin with. It's, it's done on purpose. It's done, you know, to, to really drive fear into the hearts of people who are Americans, aren't Americans, you know, really to, to kind of, to hold them up. And I'm not going to sit here and berate the seals or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not my place to do that. I've, I can tell you I've operated with them. Um, and I can tell you there with any war stories, a lot of times there is some indulgence. Um, and a lot of times, especially with TSSCI type of missions like bin Laden, a lot of times things are brought to you for propaganda type reasons. And I have no doubt in my mind that no matter what happened with Obama or with Osama, you know, Freudian slip there, guys, um, that it it was one of those things where we didn't actually get the truth on what happened to Osama bin Laden. So I was Al Qaeda absolutely diminished? Sure. Absolutely. They were they were diminished. They, you know, 
and and that should have been like that should have been it. 2001, 2002, we you I don't if you want to declare victory cuz listen, I'm going to tell you right now in war nobody wins. Nobody. Everybody the, the, war is a loss no matter what. Period. Nobody wins in war. 2001, 2002, maybe we could have left. Should it, it, and and said, yeah, you know what? Mission accomplished. See you later. If if it was just on, you know, making sure that Al Qaeda was wiped off the map there, and you know, couldn't launch, I don't know, attacks against America, which is when you say it out loud, for God's sakes, you're just sitting there going, I mean, seriously, we got we got people that live in mud huts that are herdsmen and, you know, and farmers, subsistence farmers that are launching attacks on America half a world away. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy idea, right? Like, it, to, to, to think that people hate you so much that they're, they're, going, they're going to do that in Afghanistan, a place where we've really kind of never been until 2001. It's it's an it's a nuts idea to begin with. But like I said, you know, if you wanted to declare victory, the time to do that was 2001, maybe 2002. After that, see you later. So after this, um, he goes on and talks about kind of the the cost behind what the you know the U.S. occupation and nation building was in Afghanistan. Pretty right on on this one. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. Yes, there was. Long, long, long ago. 2001, 2002. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risks. We planned for every contingency, but I always promised... That's a lie. That is an absolute... We planned for every contingency. I'm going to get into the Afghan papers here in a little bit, but this, this, this is a fucking lie as long as the day is. Eight days a week, people. We planned for every contingency along the way for 20 fucking years. Are you kidding me? I don't know who wrote this speech. Hats off to him because it's a hell of a speech. It's bullshit. A lot of it's bullshit. But the fact that he can sit up there and say, we planned for every contingency. There was never a good time to pull out. Now, I will tell you, after a certain point, that's right. After 2002, 2001, he's right. And this, I want you to pay special attention to because this is what I don't think I've heard anybody in the media talk about. When he says that, there was never a good time to pull out. I know some of you guys are snickering because you're five years old. But what he's saying is truth for somebody who's the president of the United States, an administration. When you look at it through the executive's eyes, through the commander in chief's eyes who owns our actions around the world for the military, he is dead nuts right. There was never a good time to pull out if you ignore 2001, 2002. For anybody 
George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, no matter what, as time drug on, leaving Afghanistan was a worse and worse proposition for the president of the United States and his administration, his legacy, his chances of being reelected if he's a first-termer, because this was always going to happen. Always. You're not going to get everybody out. You're not. This is what war is. I mean, Jesus Christ, do we, do we not take any notes in history class? Or did, maybe you haven't, maybe they, the Republicans and Democrats never read, you know, in terms of the younger generation, never read about Vietnam and how, you know, we left Vietnam and it was an absolute debacle. It's the same damn thing. You know, when we war start, what, 1962, 63 for the French, and then we get involved in, in Vietnam, and then, what is it, 1974, time frame, we start leaving Vietnam? What happened down there? The Vietnamese got slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. Interpreters, people that were working with, with us, government officials, Everyday peaceful men, women, and children slaughtered. Hundreds of thousands of people from a vacuum. Same thing. These were farmers, small towns, ranchers. Same thing in Afghanistan. 20 fucking years. And this happens. This, with every passing day, it was going to get worse for whoever was in office. And that's exactly why I think they never, ever withdrew. That's why Trump, you know, could sit there and talk about it in 2011, 2009, whenever you saw all of his tweets about how, you know, Ron Paul was fucking right. And he was dead nuts over and over and over about everything. Right up into the fascist state that we're living in in America today. But as soon as he's in power, he doesn't want that blemish. He, 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 he doesn't think politically that he can survive withdrawing troops from Afghanistan or his legacy can't survive. This is going to crush so many in terms of Joe Biden's camp. This is one of those things where they're talking about the 25th Amendment to get rid of him. He's exactly right. He could, they couldn't, there was never a good time for a president and his administration and his popularity and his legacy to ever leave Afghanistan, and that's why it never happened. Think about that. The hubris that is on full display for the entire world to see right now. If you just look at it from a non-political lens, this is why it never happened. And this is exactly why we should never, ever, ever, ever 
do anything even remotely like this ever again. It's why the anti-federalists made sure that every two years you had a declaration of war. I think it's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 12 of the Constitution. You have to have an Article 1, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 declaration of war to begin with. And then every two years per 12, you need another declaration of war basically to spend money on this type of thing going forward this should never have happened it should we never had a declaration of war and it lasted because through continuing uh resolutions and aumfs and bullshit 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 this this has gone on this long and you're gonna hear him now talk very high level about some of the cost I promise the American people that I will be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. This happened faster than we thought it was going to. Fuck, guys. Did you have 20 years? Did you have 20 years to plan an exit, for God's sakes? If you were doing anything at all during those times, which the Afghan papers show that they weren't, you could have been at least planning your goddamn withdrawal. You could have sat there and said, hey, look, look at our clean ass withdrawal, right? Like, seriously, if there was anything to be had in all of this, it would have been planning the perfect withdrawal from Afghanistan. You had 20 years to nail it. And this is what happened. It's incredible. Did the Afghan army give up? Yeah, man. They were like, um, yeah, I think we're, I think we're done. I don't think we're going to fight the Taliban anymore. The Afghan military collapsed. After 20 years of us propping them up, they just collapsed. Whose heads are going to roll for that? Sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. Boy, how long have we said that? For God's sakes, a trillion dollars. We gave them everything that we could ever give them. And they, they're not going to fight. They were never going to fight. It never happened. It was never, never going to happen. This is, when you talk about warfare, and I'm going to talk about this for just a second. War, warfare, just war. If you have to use military force as a absolute no shit last resort, it has got to be the violence of action overwhelming destruction and then you fucking leave you don't rebuild you don't hang out you don't create muppets and a a, a domestic face so that you can basically you know rob a country over rape a country for its resources and and you know do what we're doing now it is just unconsciousable that this I, I, I can't believe it came out of his face. I can't believe, like, I'm still kind of in shock. The fact that 
We've got a president who has given a press conference on the withdrawal of, of Afghanistan. I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm still kind of blown away about it. Fast forward to another point here, uh, where he gets into, um, you know, committing forces. To my core, it is wrong to order American troops to step up when Afghanistan's own armed forces would not. The political leaders of Afghanistan were unable to come together for the good of their people. So, I again, I agree. It is, this is unconscionable. 20 years later, we should have, I mean, it, I don't know. Are we slow learners? I guess we are. I, I, 20 years to have that statement come out of the mouth of a president. This guy is supposed to be the leader of the troops, the commander in chief. takes 20 years to say that I will I'm going to give Joe Biden a little credit here some people are going to hate me for it this guy has only been the president for what eight months about eight months as a commander-in-chief eight months into the you know to his commander-in-chief role in Afghanistan to come out and be able to say all this kind of stuff man I don't hate it. I don't hate everything. And I don't think everything that he's saying is a lie. There are some lies, but I'm telling you right now, he is dead nuts when he's saying we shouldn't be there doing any of this stuff, helping any of these people if they're not going to stand up and fight for their own freedom. Totally, totally aborted the mission, right? Like, all right, well, we got Osama and we got Al-Qaeda. Now what are we doing? We're standing people up to fight the Taliban? When did it morph into that? No idea. That's that's what happens when you leave these sycophants from banks and corporations and government unchecked. So next... We're going to get into probably what I I would consider the maybe the the hardest hitting part of his speech. And I think this is where his speech writer really kind of nails this whole thing. Um, To this, this is where I wish libertarians had a, a little more understanding of humanity and empathy. I'm not saying that Joe Biden has it. I'm saying that in a speech to the nation, he touches on it. Whether it's received well or it's not received well, some things are the truth. How many more generations of America's daughters and sons would you have me send to fight Afghanistan's civil war when Afghan troops will not? How many more lives... American lives, is it worth? How many endless rows of headstones is Arlington National Cemetery? I'm clear on my answer. I will not repeat the mistakes we've made in the past. All right, so 
Great line. Absolute great line. It's bullshit, but it's a great line because you'll see later on the speech where he talks about continuing the war on terrorism because it's metastasized in other places around the world. But it is. He's. I mean, this is what we shouldn't be doing at all, right? Like, this is how many more generations, how many more of America's sons and daughters and generations of them at this point are we going to send off? Like, we were getting, we are about to, I guess we are already about to enter the third decade of fighting there, of operations there, of blood and bodies and broken homes, broken marriages, peaceful people, lives in the uh, probably millions destroyed, radicalized to violence because they got nothing left to live for. That's the truth. Now he's going to touch on some more truth. Like I said, he's talking about half of the side of his mouth, but still. For those who have lost loved ones in Afghanistan and for Americans who have fought and served in the country, serve our country in Afghanistan. All right. You guys know how I feel about this bullshit. I'm going to tell you right now, if you ever thank me for my service and the words come out of my mouth, I didn't serve Americans. I served the banks. I served the MIC. And I served the government. That's it. I was indoctrinated from age five to run off and fight, quote unquote, America's enemies under a star spangly banner at age five. There was complete horseshit. There are a lot of vets that are waking up to this right now. I'm going to hit on that later in the show as well. But we didn't serve America. We didn't serve American interest. We served the goddamn murder cult. That's it. And for those of you guys who are new to the show, I'm going to sit here. I get misquoted all the time that Shane Hazel it, you know, talks about the rank and file of the military as the murder cult. And I have never ever once described the murder cult under those monikers ever the murder cult is a more i don't know flagrant way to describe what the anti-federalists called the aristocratic combination the aristocratic combination from the anti-federalists the guys that formed a coup and formed a constitution and took power away from the states and led us to this moment that we're in in terms of fascism and they were prophets. Joe goes on to talk about the troops for a second. This is deeply, deeply personal. It is for me as well. I've worked on these issues as long as anyone. I've been throughout Afghanistan during this. All right, so he talks about, you know, having visited Afghanistan in the same breath that, you know, brothers and sisters in arms watched their brothers and sisters in arms 
die. Bleed out. Go limp. Take their last breath. Cry like babies. Well, they called out for their mothers. I, I find this grotesque. You know, and I know Joe Biden has lost a son to, to quote unquote, this war. But the idea that just because he's visited the area a few times here and there, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> to quote Joe Biden, come on, man. You don't understand. You have no idea what is going on in the veteran community right now. And I'll tell you right I don't think, I don't think the American people have realized what is going to happen now in America. You want to talk about being radicalized. A lot of dudes have deployed over there 14, 15, 16 times. Maybe even more. They have seen things that you cannot even imagine. Horrors that are unspeakable. That maybe have driven them to their graves. Or will drive them to their graves. And now, for this to come out, I think you're going to have one of two reactions from veterans. Especially the combat vets. Like, this might be the straw. This might be it. If you're looking forward and you're looking at the situation and you're seeing, I mean, I see it all over Twitter and Facebook. I see these guys having realizations that it was for nothing. Men and women that they considered their brothers and sisters that they loved more deeply than probably any person on this earth sometimes. Lose their life, have their life changed in irreparable ways. I mean, honestly. You think for a second that we've seen the ramifications, the fallout, and the blowback that's coming from this community? I don't think people even understand right now. There is a fire that was just lit and I don't know, like, I hope there is some prudence. I hope that it's not, oh man, you know, revenge. But I'm telling you right now, when you take everything from people and then you show them that it was all for naught, bad things tend to happen. Really, really, really bad things from people who are extremely skilled at doing terrible things with precision. I'm telling you right now, you need to get ready. This throws a wrench into everything. This pushes the narrative of American collapse right to the center. Because here's the thing is, as much 
as America disagrees, Republican, Democrat, which only makes up about 45 to 50% of the population. You've got a bunch of independents and libertarians out there. People who are absolutely not engaged in this at all. And it's Republicans and Democrats, especially libertarians and independents, who are seeing this and uniting. Even though they don't want to. And saying, we wasted the... The, the men and women's lives that quote unquote ran off to protect our way of life, our rights, our freedom, our star-spangly awesomeness. The entire apparatus is exposed. I mean the entire apparatus. The administration, the military, Kind of the banks, the MIC, the agencies, the bureaucracies, all of it. It's exposed. And it is a hot, hot nerve. And I'll tell you right now, from a guy who's got a hot nerve in his back right now, the body corrects. And when the body of people corrects, from this extremely hot nerve together, Ooh. your aim, your targeting is extremely appreciated, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you've got it directed in the right place. It is not your family. It is not your friends. It is not your neighbors. It is not your community. It is the monsters that have absolutely lied or said nothing or done nothing while in seats of power. We have not, we, we are seeing the beginning of something really, really crazy. So anyway, he goes on and he starts to talk about the evacuation. He talks about having, you know, send, sending 6,000 more troops to Afghanistan for the evacuation mission. So I was asked to authorize, and I did, 6,000 U.S. troops to deploy to Afghanistan for the purpose of assisting in the departure of U.S. and allied civilian personnel from Afghanistan and to evacuate our Afghan allies and vulnerable Afghans to safety outside of Afghanistan. Our troops are working to secure the airfield and ensure continued operation of both the civilian and military flights. All right, so... We're sending in 6,000 new troops, and I think some, I think it's a mix of Marines and Army, right? Like, your shock force is the Marine Corps. So when you need overwhelming, uh, overwhelming devastation, that's the Marine Corps. When they do vertical envelopment and things like taking airfields, a lot of times that's going to be your airborne divisions, and it's going to be 
things like your ranger units. Air, airfield, you know, when they go out and they secure airfields, very typical. Those are your airborne units, and that is your your ranger um, your ranger companies. We're talking about sending shock troops back to Afghanistan to get people out of Kabul and other places, I guess. It's going to be a mess. And he goes on to, to further talk about how if we get attacked at this point, we're going to use some overwhelming force. Well, holy shit, man, what have we been doing? Not using overwhelming force. What a cluster. <laughs> Absolute total clusterfuck. And not like kind of epic in, in American history, boy, I'll tell you what this, I mean, this might be, this might be that stone. This might be the one thing that gets written about that says, yeah, this is, this was the final, this was the final piece in the puzzle, the final straw that broke America's back. It goes on. And then takes responsibility. I thought this was an interesting part. I'm president of the United States of America. And the buck stops with me. I'm deeply saddened by the facts we now face. But I do not regret my decision to end America's war fighting in Afghanistan and maintain a laser focus on our counterterrorism missions there and other parts of the world. So, I mean, it's like, he can't even take a breath before he talks about, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going out and I am ending this and the buck stops with me and it's all my responsibility, but we're going to keep doing this shit around the world, right? Like we're all over Africa. We're still in parts of the Middle East. I mean, I'm going to take full responsibility for the shit show and ending it, but we're going to keep doing shit shows in other places. We're still going to have the terrorism mission. It's like, hey, man, no. Like, wake the fuck up. I didn't know he's old and he's a, he's a, he's a, I would, I would feel bad for Joe Biden if he wasn't such a scumbag. If he wasn't a dirty, dirty old man. I mean, just watching what he does publicly in terms of touching kids and how he talks about stuff like, I mean, Jesus Christ. I feel real bad for this dementia patient. But I don't because he's a scumbag. This would have been a, a great thing to just stop at and say, hey, man, I'm the president of the United States and the buck stops with me. This is it. I stand by my, my decision. It would have been a great place to sit there and say, hey, we're also pulling everybody else back. That was your moment. You missed it. I don't know. I if anybody in politics out there listens to this show, you need an advisor on what we should and shouldn't be doing. Let me know. Searching, searching right now for some things. And that might be something that I'm probably pretty good at. We're going to move on. He talks about the troops one more time and I'm going to let this roll. And I'm going to, I mean, it kind of ends with something that I, I don't know. Maybe some people didn't catch. See if you catch it. It is not what our troops who have sacrificed so much over the past two decades deserve. I made a commitment to the American people 
when I ran for president that I would bring America's military involvement in Afghanistan to an end. While it's been hard and messy, and yes, far from perfect, I've honored that commitment. More importantly, I made a commitment to the brave men and women who serve this nation that I wasn't going to ask them to continue to risk their lives in a military action that should have ended long ago. Our leaders did that in Vietnam when I got here as a young man. He's been in Washington since Vietnam. He's seen this. I don't I don't know what the I don't know. I don't know what happened where this guy came you know decided this this was going to be you know his, his legacy. Pulling everybody out, but um you know as legacies go there are some people that appreciate the fact that this is it, quote unquote, this is it. Hopefully. You know, the only thing that I can, you know, like, and here's the thing is I can see happening. I can see he gets removed from office under the 25th Amendment, whatever. He's incompetent, blah, blah, blah. Kamal Harris maybe comes in. And at that point, because we're still fighting the war on terror and other places and all that kind of stuff, things escalate back inside Afghanistan. I can see it. These people are monsters. They'll do it. We're still going to have a presence there. You've heard Joe Biden talk about it already. I I don't know. This whole thing is such a bag of cats, though. And I mean, absolutely, I don't know, good, bad, indifferent, all of it. Horrible awful I'm glad for the most part we're leaving now with that said and everything else that I've said in terms of this being the straw that you know crushes you know the camel's back I think we had trending on Twitter yesterday maybe even early today the Afghanistan papers there is a book I think the audio book is coming out at the end of the month if uh, you know you don't want to read, but we're not going to get into the super gory details and, and all that kind of stuff. What we're going to get into a little bit is just what it was. So the Afghanistan papers were put together by the Office of the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction. Uh, they, the, the acronym for it is SIGAR, S-I-G-A-R, the Special Inspector the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. So this was put together in 2008 by Congress, and it was created to track, you know, or investigate fraud and abuse of what was going on. I mean, we're pumping, literally. We pumped a trillion dollars into a country, and I'd probably say that might be a lowball estimate. Given everything that got spent over there, uh, everything that was, you know, salacia funds, slush funds, Black money and all that other stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure a trillion dollars is probably a fairly conservative estimate. So, the I think it was the Washington Post. They go to battle for these uh, for these documents, right? Like these are this. What happens is you start getting the generals and ambassadors and diplomats and people who are in that country who are in charge of things in that country start getting interviewed. There's like 400 interviews 
400 interviews. And they document year after year after year of failure. It shows that the American people were absolutely lied to. And what happens as reports drift upward is they get kind of sanitized. They kind of get whitewashed. Ah, you know, and, and really, who wants to go and tell the SecDef or who wants to go and tell the Secretary of State or who wants to go and tell the President that we've fucked up? No, no, man. That's, that's, not how, that's not how you pin on a star or two or three or four. That's not how you get promoted through the ranks. That's not how you do that kind of stuff. But yet, in these interviews... Over and over and over. The, th- the theme and this whole thing from people who were in charge was that the war was worthless. That there was absolutely no understanding of mission. Zero. For a decade and some change. Think about that. Your commanders, your generals, your ambassadors, your secretaries, your undersecretaries, the people who are put in charge of all of these things are being interviewed and they are reporting that we have no idea what what we're doing. We have no idea what the mission is. We have no idea what the end state is. We have no idea what we're supposed to be doing. And this is what really, really, really makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. Is these people who were in charge, whether they thought, hey man, promotion looks good or promotion's right on the horizon or whatever, they admitted in 400 fucking interviews that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And yet, day after day after day after week, after year, after decades, they continued to send young men and young women out to the grinder to fight, to be slaughtered. Every fucking one of them. Every one of them. I'm telling you right now, like, I am, oh. If I was a younger man, I'd say they all deserve to fucking hang. Firing squad, shot, I don't give a fuck. To not know what your mission is and to continuously send people out to fight and die and to possibly kill other peaceful people which they'll call collateral damage I'm going to call them wives fathers sons daughters because that's who they are that's who they were and these goddamn monsters every day 365 days a fucking year for 20 years 
Send them out without mission. Send them out without any objective whatsoever. It's an, there's a special place in hell. And like I said, when people actually realize the ramifications and put it into perspective of what happened, there is going to be hell to pay. You think you want to be on these people's bad side? Here's a little something for the rest of you guys. Maybe you didn't serve. They took your money at gunpoint. The threat of force and coercion for 20 years. And basically armed the damn Taliban. Nobody's ever going to say it like that. They stole your money at gunpoint through force and coercion. And they armed the Taliban is the end result of 20 years in Afghanistan. I'm fucking done paying taxes. I'm using the hashtag tax revolt. There is absolutely no way I can consciously give or let them take another cent after this. What a house of cards. You want to talk about a Trojan horse? This is why you don't go to war. This is why you don't go from a peace footing to a war footing without a declaration of war. And yet, out of all of this, you've got people like goddamn Sean Hannity. making political hay out of this kind of shit. I've got a couple more clips and like it's going to be a longer episode guys and I you know I apologize if you know you, you don't like longer episodes I I I don't know. I kind of get talking and I prepare and when I'm prepared I've got stuff to say. But Fox News and the rest of them I mean this guy has a CIA lapel and he's got an American flag with some of their badge, right? It's like he's almost like, hey, man, I'm CIA. Right? I mean, what the shit? He's got a CIA lapel pin on. And tonight, Joe Biden is completely and totally, frankly, just humiliated the United States on the world stage. Any confidence the world had in our country um, is now gone. Saigon- I, I, hate to, I hate to tell you this, Sean. I hate to be the bearer of news that's going to destroy your paradigm. Joe Biden didn't single-handedly do this. This That's 20 years in the making. Your boy Trump didn't do this because he didn't want it to be his legacy. Biden or uh, Obama didn't do it because he didn't want it. Bush didn't do it because he didn't want it. Does America look bad? Yeah, but here's the thing is, a lot of people figured this out a long, long, long time ago. We look like monsters to the world. Who 
goes around the world and stays in a country for 20 damn years. That's not good. We did it in Vietnam for, I don't know, almost a decade, maybe a little over. And now we've done it here in Afghanistan for 20 years and we're still screwing around in other people's countries without declarations of war, still pursuing terror and everything else. We look like clowns because we're clowns. This whole thing is is falling apart. The, the facade, the, the cloak is gone. The emperor has no clothes, Sean. And to shill and try to spin this. Man, it, 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 it's crazy to me. Don Circa, 1975, steroids, former defense secretary and CIA director Leon Panetta, rightly calling it, yeah, Biden's Bay of Pigs. And thanks to the ill-fated actions of our derelict, low-functioning president, if you want to even say that, that's somewhat charitable. The absolute worst-case scenario has been playing out before our eyes. Biden ignoring the advice and the counsel of his top U.S. military commanders. They wanted the slow... Oh, Sean, why? I mean, here's the thing is, if he's read the Afghanistan papers or anybody's read the Afghanistan papers, why the why would you ever? Why would he think otherwise? Where why we why would we need to be there? There is absolutely no reason for us to be there. None. Zero. Read the Afghanistan papers, Sean Hannity. He's ignoring his top advisors. He's, you know, ambassadors and, and, and intel and agents and all the rest of that crap, right? And you'll see, like, um, there was this one dude that took on Brian Williams, right? He's like, I don't know what speech you guys were listening to, but I know what I heard. B- basically been warning, I think it's something Zeller, maybe Matt Zeller or something like that versus um, Brian Williams. I'm not going to play it because we're going to go long anyway. But this, this is who... The, I don't know, the American right is in terms of talking heads. We're still putting our, I don't know, our trust into the leaders of the military. I don't. The leaders of the military are part of the fucking murder cult. The rank and file, no. But these guys, the guys that went along and they pushed people out into the grinder for 20 years without a mission... They are, and who's shilling for him? Sean Hannity, who's got a damn CIA badge on his lapel. If it's not a CIA badge, I don't know what it is, man. It looks exactly like the shield. It's got the head. It's got the little thing in the middle of the shield, and it's surrounded by a blue field in the background. I don't know what that is if that's not the the emblem of the CIA. And for somebody as a, I don't know, an anchor on TV, Boy, man, it's just like plain as damn day. Who do you work for? Oh, okay, cool. CIA, gotcha. No problem. And then you've got this asshat. The pirate out of Texas, Dan Crenshaw. This guy is a John McCain in the making, possibly on steroids. He's a little guy. He lost an eye, and I'm sure he lost men being a SEAL. I'm pretty sure he was an officer, but he's at this, uh, I mean, it's, what is it, the Young Americans Foundation. It's it's kind of like this recruiting center 
um, for young Republican types, right? He's speaking. And I think this was just August 6th is when this came out. They posted it, and I want you to hear this guy. It makes me sick. Um, I think Americans are pretty sick of nation building, but the general public can't really distinguish between 200,000 troops nation building, which, which does seem like a waste of money to a lot of people. He's like, yeah, America's sick of nation building. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, we are. The, the, the popular consensus is, you know, 75, 80% of people are done with war. It doesn't work. Nation building doesn't work, and it results when you leave and what happened with the Taliban just now. And he's like, oh, yeah, 200,000 troops. Like, you don't really, you can't understand the civilians. Um, I'm telling you right now, some of the best minds on foreign policy are civilians. And I can't stand when dudes who have worn a uniform, oh, man, you can't understand. You were never there. You don't understand. You can't talk about this. Bullshit. In a free country, anybody can talk about anything. Unless, you know, that's not what you stand for anymore, which is, I'm pretty sure Dan Crenshaw a long time ago departed from anything that resembles the rights of the people or can make usurpations and end rounds on your rights. I can't stand this guy. To have seen war up close and to know what kind of bullshit it is. And to continue to stand in front of young minds and say this kind of bullshit? Like I said, if I was a younger man, the nap would be out the damn window and I would wish for this guy to have state punishment. A lot of waste of resources. Um, but they can't distinguish between that and keeping a security presence that prevents another 9-11. People all, uh, ask all the time, well, what do we get in the last 20 years of war? No more 9-11s. That's what we got. Is that even a good trade-off, Dan? Like, no more 9-11s. That's what we got. Trillion dollars. We spent a trillion dollars. We lost, I don't know, almost 10,000 people. Another 20,000 permanently fucked up for the rest of their life. God knows how many families were destroyed. Not to mention the death toll of peaceful people in Afghanistan. Well, you civilians don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Come on, Dan. Do you even buy your own bullshit anymore? You don't get many more 9-11s. I'm pretty sure we don't have 9-11s because, I don't know, maybe our government isn't going out of their way to make sure that 9-11s happen here on U.S. soil. We got false flags everywhere. False flags. Is it the Twin Towers collapsing 3,000 people? No. Is it the government run amok? Yes. Absolutely run amok. Tinfoil hat time. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I believe in false flags. Absolutely believe in false flags. I believe that they go out of their way to create chaos and division. And I don't know, you know who in their right mind is evil enough to carry these things out. But for a congressman, a former SEAL, to get up and say some dumb shit that's absolutely transparent, and you can see it plain as day, like, come on. This, this is what you're battling from the Republicans these days. 
The Republicans have lost their goddamn mind. You guys are feckless, ballless, lying bastards. To, to think that you're going to persuade and stand in front of a group of young kids when you were taken advantage of as a young kid, lied to, to where you lost your damn eye, and you're still going to sit up there and do that kind of stuff? Man, Jesus. I mean, walk off a curb into some traffic or something, Dan. Do everybody a fucking favor. What a... What an absolute asshat. I've gone, man, I'm already over an hour. I was going to talk about some of the refugees or Brian Kemp is going to bring uh, to, to Georgia, it looks like, which I don't know. This is not, this is not a show that I'm going to get into, you know, immigration and the state and all that kind of stuff. I think he's, I mean, this guy's on his way out anyway. He's desperate as hell. Um, I did want to take a moment at the end of this and say a couple of things. If anybody's tuning in for the first time, I don't care where you're coming from. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you got an open mind and I know I'm a little rough. It's my outrage and I'm telling you, like, I wish more people had it. I want peace. I do. I do. I do. I am absolutely telling you Without a doubt, if you're listening from the government, we want peace. But there are some lines that you've crossed and you're done. We're drawing lines in the sand. This is it. Fuck off. Leave us alone. Right now, the American people, I think they trust you maybe just a, a hair more than the people in Afghanistan trust you. If you're coming in from the left and you think that the state at any point should have ever been in charge of your education, your savings, your retirement, your business, your jobs, your community, ask the Afghanis. You don't think these people, when times get tough, will cut and run and leave you out in the wind to fucking die? You're wrong. All this stuff that they do to divide us along any line possible. It's so that we fight each other until they have the power to rule over us all. Ask somebody from Cuba about what's going on, what's happened. Yeah, you know what? You'll support socialism and communism until, guess what? Until they're not dividing you on the lines of race or gender, or ethnicity, or who you love, or which God that you pray to. They will absolutely divide you and have you destroy each other because they don't have the strength to destroy everybody until they do. And then it's the government versus you. And if you don't think governments are the Worst thing for humanity. You need to look up the term democide. Killed 270 million of its own people in the last century alone. I'm telling you right now, I would gladly trade a bunch of American politicians 
for refugees in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I, I, I'm very grateful to everybody in this audience and everybody in the liberty movement that is going out there and exposing this and fighting this and welcoming people in. This is the time. Show your humanity. Welcome people in. There are vets. I'm going to tell you right now. If you need help digesting this, understanding this, you got a path ahead of you, and I'm help. I'm I'm here for you. You you want help understanding that you know your paradigm that just got blown out out of the water to bits. There's a lot of us vets in this liberty movement that are here for you that are patient, that have taken these really god-awful pills. If you're still in and they're deploying you, be a conscientious objector and get out as fast as you can possibly get out. The fight is here. It's at your state and the federal level. These people are monsters. They have destroyed our lives For over a year and a half, they have eviscerated our rights, minus the guns. They are silencing us. And the the people, the founders, the framers, the one thing I think that they got right, both got right, is they put the First Amendment first and the Second Amendment second. They did that so people would exercise speech until they couldn't any longer. until they were backed into a corner and felt so helpless and overwhelmed that they had to resort to violence. That's where we're at. Afghanistan was an absolute waste. America's military, I want to say, got beat. But America, the U.S. government... You got beat by a bunch of farmers and herdsmen and poor ass people with some guns. You think you want to take on America? I guarantee you you don't. Absolutely the last thing in the world that we want is the last thing in the world that you should do. I'm going to close out this episode. In a, in a way that maybe some of you guys will tune out. But as a Marine that's heard with First Force Reconnaissance Company, there are a lot of dudes that died for absolutely nothing. That love, loved their fellow Marines. That loved what they thought was serving this country serving the ideas of life and liberty and freedom. Property. The idea that you can make it. They loved putting on a uniform. They were selfless. Some of the best guys you could ever possibly meet. 
And I'm going to read their names. Because I think that is the one thing to honor these men that were lied to, that were indoctrinated, that would have done anything and everything for you and your families that perished in this ridiculous war on terror instead of fighting the real terrorist here in America. These guys died while on active duty or in theater from from the reconnaissance community. Stanford Shaw, Thomas Saunders, Marcus Bowell, Trevor Blaylock, Liam Flynn, Kerry Kemp, and Receif, Aaron Torian, Joshua Islam, Caleb Medley, Matthew Manokin, Ryan Jesklik, Sky Moat, Jonathan Gifford, Justin Hansen, Adam Boys, Nicholas Sportsoff, Daniel Gurr, Christopher Winkle, Dennis Candler, Patrick Dolphin, William Watwasiak, David Day, Jordan Stratton. Matthew DeYoung, Gregory Stoltz, Robert Gilbert, Robert Cottle, Christopher Adenick, Sean Osterman, Matthew Ingram, Nicholas Zinsky. Jamie Lowe, Charles Cartwright, Joshua Meadows, Michael Kershik, Trevor Urista, Michael Roy, Roger Hager, John Hayes, Garrick Lawton, Edgar Hirdia, Charles Milam, Travis Woods, Nicholas Walsh, Nathan Krisoff, Gary Johnson, Joseph Ellis, Travis Mann, Douglas Zembeck. Luke Holler, Michael Lasky, Jason Whitehouse, Seth Algram, Jonathan Simpson, Lee Deal, William Folks, Mark Somkowski, Christopher Zimmerman,
Jonathan Grant, Alessandro Cabanero, Corey Palmer, Stephen Bixler, Seamus Davey, Stephen Gill, Roger Castleberry, Grant Frazier, Nicholas Blome, Jonathan Cohen, Jeremiah Kitchen, Thomas Hauser, Javier Pena, Benjamin Edinger, Kevin Dempsey, Jason Maxwell, Brent Morrill, Alan Rowe, Foster Harrington, David Caruso, Jeffrey Starling, Ladies and gents, this is just one small unit in the Marine Corps for about the past 24 years. I would ask you, as these guys are waking up, direct them to myself, direct them to people in this movement who are vets. They are going to have an extremely hard time with this. We have lost so much and so many. And they're just figuring out everything that they were ever told, the links that they've gone to, the efforts that they have put forth, and the sacrifices. Mind, their bodies, their spirit, their families, their friends, and their communities. They're never going to get that back. Be gentle, have some empathy and some humanity, and then let's obviously point them in the right direction because there's hell to pay. That's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I will be back here on Thursday night, hopefully, with a live interview. CJ from Dangerous History is going to join me, and we're going to talk about a lot of things and where we're at in terms of looking at a historical perspective in terms of 2021 and what it relates to in our very, very bloody past. Until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.